Hey folks, welcome. This is Reanimated. We were gone and now we're back. And uh, you know, if longtime listeners, you know that this is unfortunately one of the features of this podcast is that we, we can't always produce a podcast uh, when we want to. And and so, but here we are, episode 351. I am here. My name is Stuart. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me from New York is H.A. Conrad. Hello, H.A. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming on the show. We are back to finish. Well, not finish, but we're continuing to talk about The Walking Dead, its final season for the Prime show. Uh, we do have a couple little bits of news also, uh, I just wanted to point out, we are recording this on Sunday, November 20th, and I'm very excited for the beginning of the World Cup, which mm. has its first game shortly after we finish recording today. And I will run to a television and watch this. I mean, Did you I see the debacle about the, the alcohol? The first of many debacles, I am yes. sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I've, I've been following that. I, I mean... Did you see the initial tweet from Budweiser, who is a main sponsor? Well, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still going to get a lot of uh, brand advertising awareness and stuff for for Anheuser-Busch, I guess. But yeah, they're not going to be able to sell their $14 Budweiser's to uh, millions of adoring right. fans. Yeah. And I, you look, I, I was kind of surprised that this wasn't an issue that they addressed before i think they did that's what's messed up and awkward about it is that they had assurances in quotes from like government government officials but they've been walking them back Mm -hmm. Uh, not just like the uh, making the beer sale uh, points of sale less visible around the uh, in the arenas or in the stadiums to now saying uh actually yeah just no alcohol at the games and only at this fan festival which is where they're gonna have music and and now they'll be like these like, you know, enclosed drinking places, I guess. If you're going to host it in in a place where this is not something that is, well, this is something that's like frowned upon to me. It's sort of like, OK, well, just deal with it and figure out what you're going to do. I don't yeah. know. To me, it was like this seems like a normal thing that would have been put in place. And I'm surprised that the debacle is sort of happening. But anyway. Well, yeah, it's like when you go over to somebody's house and they Correct. take their shoes off in their house, you should take off right. your shoes. But also, this is the most popular sporting event in the world. And it that means that you have people from the world showing up. And uh, did you also see the clip of the Danish reporter getting um, threatened by security? No, I did not. Yeah, He's just recording. Like, maybe he doesn't have one of the forms he's supposed to have, but he has a lot of the forms he's supposed to have, and he's in the right place, and he's getting kind of hassled by, um, by you know, authorities. And you're just like, dude, Qatar, get it together, man. This is your opportunity to look good. If not, if I mean, beer, one thing. But, you know, freedom of press, I think enough people are coming to your country who think that that's a big deal, that you should really just let everybody know. Don't hassle the reporters who are just doing their on the street stand ups right now. That would be a good move. Um, but, yeah, I like the beer thing is is kind of predictable, I think, yeah, is where we uh, we can agree. Uh, but let's see how it goes for the rest of the month of soccer goodness that's about to come up. I'm so excited. This week is going to be so much fun. Uh, H.A., if you haven't already got it on your calendar, um, USA versus England is the day after Thanksgiving. That's Friday, 
Uh, it's 11 Pacific time. So I guess that's probably like two o'clock your time. <laughs> is this now? Is this now a World Cup podcast? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got all the fixtures memorized. I mean, the next day is Argentina, Mexico, and that's going to be a really good game. I have been thinking about this sporting for event time. for some time now, uh, and I'm just very have excited. Have you ever been to a game in real life? When it was yeah, 1994, when it was in the U.S., I saw I saw two or three games like Italy, but not it, not it, not in non-U.S. countries. No, yeah, I've never traveled overseas hmm. to uh, to watch the soccer. But uh, it's you know, it's like one of these cool things of sports meets geopolitics, and it's usually like everybody's kind of cool and and um, but it's fun. Uh, but let's talk about zombies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about zombies. So um, there's not a lot of news. I don't know if you'd seen either of these two links that I put in our show. Notes. I saw the 4K Ultra Edition. Of, Why don't you talk about um, that? Yeah. So um, there, there is a new 4K Ultra HD version of um, Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's and, and James Gunn version. And so that's going to be out in January. I mean, you know, I again, you and I have talked about this before. I know a lot of people had issues with this um, because it was such a departure from the Romero vision. Um, and, you know, there's definitely some things in it that I'm not wild about. But overall, I did really like this this film, especially I think to me, the the biggest and best part of it was the, the, the beginning of it, the cold open, so to speak. I guess if you can you call it a, a cold open with a film, I guess. maybe. I, I think you um, can. Yeah, but um, but it was just so like to me, that was just like incredible. And there was lots of good things about it. Um, But it definitely was a departure and did its own thing. Um, And I know a lot of people had an issue with that. However, I enjoyed a large part of this film. And so um, I'm psyched to see it. I'll watch it. I'll watch this edition. I think I think this is cool. I, yeah, it um, almost makes me want to have a, a DVD player because I mean, I want to hear the audio commentary yeah, with too. Zack Snyder and Eric Newman. All these extras look just cool. I mean, some of these I feel like I've seen because I've definitely maybe we'll have to rent a DVD player. So. God. <laughs> uh yeah, I think my Xbox might be able to play DVDs, but I haven't plugged that in a minute in for a minute. Um, but there's tons of extras on disc two. Have you looked at the and disc three? Have you looked yeah, at all yeah, those? Yeah, there was like so much there. So that's kind there's of exciting. an interview with James Gunn also because he was the writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I don't know how much of this is because they did a whole bunch of uh behind the scenes footage that ended up on the original release. And I think they might be trotting some of this out just in 4K, but that's cool too. Yeah, but I think this is uh, three discs. I mean, I feel like this is kind of a big deal. It just feels weird that it's coming out on a medium that is, to me, has been dead for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, it, it is odd that they're doing that. So maybe they will do a digital, like allow us. It's just an odd thing to not have it in a few different formats, but okay. Um, and then... Um, I didn't see as much about I didn't get to to sort of see the the yeah. HBO's Titans. So maybe you could talk so about that. This is less to write home about, I will be honest. If you've never seen HBO Max's Titans, it's a DC show. Um, you know, a la Jessica Jones, I guess. Yeah. It's it's actually a pretty good show. Um, I've seen the first two seasons, but I haven't seen the season where this uh, event happens where there's it's undead. There are zombies who are raised through a like a magical curse um, in season four, episode four. And there in this episode, there are a lot of nods to Dawn of the Dead, too, because it's it, the action takes place inside a mall. Hmm. However, that being said, I watched a little bit of the episode just to see, like, all right, how are they doing zombies? And, you know, there is just like Marvel has its zombie storyline in the comics. So does DC. 
and so I guess people are, you know, looking to this and saying, well, now they've got zombies in DC universe. And from here, they, you know, sky's the limit and it's a live action show. So there's a lot of potential. But then when you look at what they were calling zombies, there was no makeup on them as far as I could tell. They just looked like regular <laughs> extras. Um, uh, one notable thing, though, is I think the woman who raised the undead in this was called Mother Mayhem or something along those lines, I believe, is the character who raised the dead. Yeah, Mother Mayhem. And she is played by Franca Potente, who I think is a really cool actor. She hasn't done a ton, but she was the lead in Run, Lola, Run, you know, yep. German. She's a German actor. And then she was in Blow. Um, and she's done a few other things, but I really like her and she seems to be having fun with the role um, playing an evil zombie raising uh, necromancer type. She was also in all the Bourne movies, right? Or in at least the she was the in the first one, one right? At, at least and the very, first. very briefly in the second one. I she gets shot really early on. Yeah, in the first she got shot very early, but I really like her as an actor. I think she's really just she's got some energy about her that I really enjoy. Run Lola Run was amazing. Um, and I did, you know, I admit I have not really gotten into American Horror Story, but I think she was in she was in like one of those seasons for like a a role because I saw something about it. Um, but she's really amazing. So I would, I would, you know, I tried to start to watch Titans and I don't know why I stopped watching it. Maybe I felt like I had just too much in my roster. I can't believe there's been four seasons of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like there's, it's a, it's a decent show. Like the, the production quality is high. I would say the episode that I just watched, it felt like a departure from the first two seasons that I'm familiar with. Um, and like cast wise, it's got a great cast. The, that giant dude who ends up playing Reacher on the Amazon Prime show. Mm. Uh, I saw him for the first time on um, on Titans. I think he was on something else, too, recently. But so it, it introduces some cool, a cool uh, ensemble. Oh, cool. But also, AJ, you texted me this weekend because I think you were I doing did. Some... I did. So so I saw this thing um, at, at Atlantic Terminal in Brooklyn. What and... is Atlantic Terminal? What does one do there? So one goes on trains there. So you take the Long Island Railroad. It's like a hub of like subways and and transport. Um, and so I had, okay, so this is the story behind this. I'll admit, I saw this and I meant to sort of look it up later because I was like, oh, is there another installment of Zombieland happening? Because what, at first glance, there was like many, many, many ads and billboards, all kind of shiny and new of um, the cast or the main four characters of Zombieland. And, you know, I didn't think much of it because I just was going by and I was kind of in a hurry. And then I took a closer look yesterday when I passed them. And I'm like, what is what is this and why is it up? Um, and why don't I know about it? And it isn't you know, for a film, it is actually a FEMA ad. And I think you and I actually talked about this. Maybe um, they they did this in 2019. Um, and it's basically a an emergency prepare, preparedness PSA sponsored by FEMA and other things. I didn't get to look closely on the I didn't look at the, the fine print, um, though. I think you can zoom in on it on the photo I sent you. Um, and it's basically encouraging people to have like an emergency preparedness plan. What's weird about this is that I think if, you know, because obviously I hadn't been in, in the terminal a long time, I suspect this has been up since pre-pandemic, but it's still up and it's kind of weird. Um, and, you know, it looks very shiny and new and it's like 
this is every single sort of billboard on the platform. So it's probably like maybe like six or seven or so. There's no other advertisements. It's just these. So maybe it's just on this particular platform or in this terminal. But anyway, I thought it was funny. So I sent it to you. <laughs> My question on this is, is this of like a promotional art from the first Zombieland or the second? I think it's the second one because Abigail Breslin is is older. Oh, um, that's she is probably the best way to to judge. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just like, a- but the message is like, talk with your family and get them ready. And it's like, this is really odd. And the the message is, zombies don't plan ahead. You can. It's just so weird, and it's weird that it's still up. And um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah, all over the place. Um, so I guess you know they they paid their money. By God, they're gonna they're gonna see that ad uh, everywhere. I guess in those in, on those platforms. Um. Yeah. What a. That's a choice. It's. It just feels so out of date. Um. And also, I mean, like the background of the picture behind the four actors is just like fire and smoke. And just, <laughs> it doesn't. What What are they saying? That zombies are like pyromaniacs. I don't know what's going on. Well, and it's also if it's gonna be like, I don't know. Like, like it's a, it's a, it's a PSA that they clearly paid a lot for and when i did the sort of research this was like you know they were sending out sort of promos about this in like october of 2019 so we're talking like pretty close to um you know pandemic time right um but not totally in pandemic time and so this was you know from the ad council and it was all over the place it was on twitter facebook apparently you i like i i definitely didn't see it until now because i probably would have noted that um but anyway, there it is. Um, kind of odd, but but it it oddly made me happy as well in a kind of strange way. <laughs> but but certainly, maybe maybe they don't have enough ads to put up in this area at this point. I don't know. Um, but yeah, odd, weird, wild stuff. Uh, let's shall we move on into the episode of uh, episode twenty one of season eleven of Walking Dead, Outpost twenty two. Yep. Uh, directed by Tana McKiernan and. Directed by Jim Barnes. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about it. And we are nearing, I mean, there has been just a ton of flutter about, you know, the the last, the finale. And, you know, I've been getting a ton of advertisements. I'm sure you have been too, Stuart, uh, as we talked about before. Dodging um, them as I can. Yeah. I have been dodging them too. I also have not been watching ahead. So I've been very careful because we know I can't be trusted with with future knowledge um, if we're not actually talking about it in our review. And uh, so... Um, we are going to talk about this and have you watched ahead? I guess is my question. I have not. No, I'm okay. uh, Okay. Similarly, I would not, I would have trouble keeping it all straight. Okay. So outpost 22, um, this, you know, for, we, we left our, our intrepid heroes, anti-heroes, um, last time where everybody was sort of like on these buses and kidnapped and, you know, Carol and Daryl were going after them. Um, after getting vital information from Hornsby about these supply trains. And we were hoping to see more information. And I think this is getting behind the curtain of how um, how everything is actually running um, and in this like world that they're in. Um, in this the episode is also set up as a Maggie episode based on the, um, you know, the what do we call those things? The montage that's narrated yeah. by a child. This time the child is a boy, and I don't know if it was supposed to be Herschel. Yeah, I don't he's, know. He's talking about uh, all I remember is the fight, but I mm-hmm. still have hope. 
Yeah. And it's just scenes of Maggie, like uh, clips of uh, from previous episodes of Maggie marching places with look of determination, hugging Rick, etc. And then we wake up with her um, in the back of a of a deuce and a half. This is sort of like, you know, I think the part where the game's getting back together, that's what it felt like um, to me. Um, where, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing sort of the dirty, the dirty secrets of the Commonwealth, things that were not making sense and things that you and I commented on continuously about how the Commonwealth went works and things that just don't, there wasn't enough people, there wasn't enough, um, sort of like background or, or information about how all these things were happening to keep these people living. And, um, it is a little bit as we suspected, although I, again, I feel like, you know, um, there's probably reasons for why we didn't get here earlier. And part of those had to do with the pandemic, you know, protocols and things like that. Maybe. Um, do you remember when Maggie, not Maggie, when Daryl and Rosita and somebody else, when they, well, actually, was it even them? When they first got to the, it wasn't them. It was the original people. Like it was Princess yeah. Ezekiel and Yumiko, I guess, uh, yeah. first got to Commonwealth and they were put on like clear these blocks duty. Yep. Yep. Like, to me, like that was uh, not punishment, as far as right. I can remember. That was just prove yourself or pay right. your way. Right. Uh, and yet, that's objectively way more dangerous work. Right. Than what these like the like to me. There's like a weird. There's a lack of a through line. There's a lack right. of consistency with the way that they're like. Yes, the 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 you know the Commonwealth is good or the Commonwealth is bad or the Commonwealth is somewhere between good and bad, and and like saying. They're going to make randos from the wastelands come in and just with a knife and like some coveralls clear out entire buildings. Um, or I, I don't know if maybe that was supposed to be Daryl's like training for to get into the yeah. Commonwealth Army. I don't remember exactly what the scenario was for him to be having to be doing that. It's it's uneven and it's a little, you know, again, as we were saying last week, just in terms of plans and things that work and don't work, um, I just, you know, it's hard for me to believe that um, they would be able to do so much because, like, when when you are trying to, like, survive in this world, especially with the walkers and with all the things that have happened, um, trying to rule people with fear, I guess, works a little bit. But ultimately, people are going to run away. There isn't enough going on in this world that, like, there are enough places for people to still hide and survive. Um, and so sort of this scenario that they have set up, um, I just don't think I buy it. And I also don't buy that you would, I mean, yes, they, they're putting little things in place, like the reason why some of these people are complicit um, are, you know, again, they're they're really channeling to me, like, concentration camps and you know the the repressive mm. tactics of many author authoritarian countries and things yeah. like that and that is what they are definitely hitting home with and also adding in a, a you know the class uh distinctions and um they say it outright in the beginning of this episode um but you know so uh, but but i still find that hard to believe where humans and humans that are able to like you're going to get a lot and even like in in we've seen in other parts of this world um you're you're going to get a lot further with people who are feeling like they're working towards some something the people who feel hopeless um and so and and feel like they're trapped and feel like they're working in this way but you know maybe that is some of what they're trying to to hit home with but 
in any case, I digress. Um, so in this episode, we do see, you know, Daryl and Carol are back together. Um, we actually have them have some conversations here about things that didn't work before, which I was like, oh, you learned from your old experiences. Wow. Um, or at least that's what they're trying to say. Um, but we, we are kind of getting a good um, taste of what this world is. So we see Maggie in the back of this truck. Um, she comes to, and the only reason why she's able to kind of gain a, um, a foothold, so to speak, and get out of this scenario is because the guard is asleep. Um, and she's there with Gabriel and Rosita. Um, and, you know, they are they they're tied up with the plastic ties. Is that I couldn't see what around her wrist, but like how she got out of that. I don't remember how she gets out of that either, but it, it all happens kind of quickly and in the dark. Right. But yeah, I think it's zip ties. That's t- generally how but, they've been tying people up. But I kind of like this scene because like Rosita and Gabriel managed to jump off this truck. No problem. Um, they're well, all she, being- the guy wakes up, right? That's why she's yeah. not. But she does. She takes her time a little bit. She has to have that moment of looking at the yeah. road and thinking, oh, this is going to hurt. And yep. that was just <laughs> that, that was, was just ball. too long. Uh, it was I thought this was actually pretty good. Like they could have just had them all jump out. But then, yeah, they have that guy wake up and then shoot his shoot the driver and causes a bit of a mess. Um, what, what I did think was funny was that uh, Gabriel and Rosita do jump off. We don't really see how they land too too much. But then the next scene with them, they wake up like nowhere near the road, but they're just sleeping on the on the ground. <laughs> in the forest maybe it's because the drugs are still wearing off i don't know but i thought that was kind of <laughs> funny that they like jump out the back of a truck wander off together and then and take sleep. a little nap i know uh, on a like on the cold ground <laughs> like but maybe they are exhausted um i did like the um just the the whole the film work in this the editing i thought was really nice um because you know maggie has this look on her face like oh no this is gonna go badly because she accidentally shoots the driver (laughs) and like it just it just all goes south and and so i thought that that was pretty cool um and you know she she manages to keep her head about her and get out of there but like you know it's there is a whole convoy of trucks and whatever. Yeah, and so, why weren't they with it? You know, I don't know. Like somehow they were able to do this. So whatever. But um, <laughs> it was definitely um, definitely a, a good and action packed beginning to this sh- to this particular episode. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to say back at the ranch, but back at the convoy, we get to see where the rest of our, our group is, um, which includes Negan um um Ezekiel um who else Kelly uh Negan's wife Annie um, is it Annie yeah Annie yeah I think Annie. it's Annie Annie um and so they're all you know in this in this like basically a prison bus with bags over their heads similar to what we just saw with Maggie and Rosita um and Gabriel and they get to sort of like, you know, we, we they're all they're all very uh, drugged up similarly um, and they get to wherever they're going and, and we get to hear immediately pretty much what they're in for, though it's still a little bit of a mystery. Um, so there's a warden. There's the whole not going to call any of you by your names and you're not going to know mine. Um, you do what you're, you're told to do. And then they are told that they are exiles from the Commonwealth, but that they should take, um, I don't know satisfaction it's in the fact- better in here than it is yeah. out there and i'm just 
like most of these people have, have been out there and maybe they agree with you, but I feel like this show hasn't been doing a lot of effort to make us think that they had a worse life. I mean, they, okay. Yeah. They were out, like running out of resources and stuff and they were having a hard time with Alexandria with just with infrastructure, but they managed for 10 years, just fine. Uh, before, <laughs> before finding the Commonwealth, what's this guy offering them? He's offering them a uh, slop once a and, day. Or, well, and the big thing though, and this is like the normal is a, a chance to see their children if they act properly or their loved ones. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, they separate them. They're not, they're not supposed to be talking to each other. Um, you know, there's, there is that aspect, like even, you know, Ezekiel's being very careful to talk to Kelly quietly. Um, there's a scene between Ezekiel and Egan, which is actually, I think, a really cool little exchange between the two of them, which I really love. Yeah, um, there's so much still to be done with Negan yeah. and everybody that he has wronged that I'm glad mm-hmm. that they're paying attention to that. They are. And, you know, and I think that this is a this particular interaction and relationship is something that we haven't seen anything of really um, or enough of, in my opinion. And, you know, Negan and Ezekiel were definitely like on opposite parts of like you know like Negan did a lot of horrible things to Ezekiel's people Ezekiel was sort of the positive light in this world fighting against the the things that Negan was actually putting into play and what I really thought was cool about this little interaction between them is that Negan was like yeah I probably belong here and I use these tactics so I know what this playbook is and you know we have to give people hope to get out of here, but also said that I can do that, but I may not make it out of here. So, um, and Ezekiel is very much like, I don't trust you. I don't really want to work with you and I have not forgiven you. And he names out, like he, he lists out the sort of, I don't want to say the grievances, but the horrible things that, that Negan has done. And I thought that this was really great because they're not facing each other in this, in this scene because they're not supposed to be talking. And I just thought that this was such a great interaction between the two of them. Um, and also, you know, Negan isn't, you know, Negan says, I haven't forgotten them either. And often I think people think he has or that somehow he's moved on and thinks he should be forgiven or whatever. But these things apparently weigh heavily, but we don't always see that with him. So I thought that that was a nice and the dialogue was very well written. Um, And of course, both these actors are incredibly um, strong actors. So I thought that this was, to me, one of the best scenes in this entire episode. I was also impressed by the uh, the creepy uh, camp scenario that they set up where they're like, there's only three guards. Two of them are playing horseshoes. The third one is mostly just there to baton Negan when he asks where they've taken his wife. Mm-hmm. Another example of Negan getting cold cocked and uh, and just like and casually somehow just up. standing up, which he would have been on the ground. No way. <laughs> but he does at least have a red mark on his face in this episode from getting beaten yeah. in the face. But yeah, like... This is not a guy who I'm sure was used to getting beaten with uh, objects. But ever since he's come to the Commonwealth, he's just getting beaten up by these um, these stormtroopers. So he he uh, and yeah, like Kelly's trying to persuade Ezekiel that they should run for it because, you know, she's scoped it out. They only have the three guards. What is there to worry about? And and then, you know, we see the uh, the educational experience of some people try to run away. They get shot by someone we can't see because you look around and the two guards are still playing horseshoes. I mean, how'd they yep. get that duty? That's like you guys, you're on horseshoe duty. Well, uh, and I think that some of it's kind of deliberate. So that's well, absolutely, deliberate. It's and, absolutely and Ezekiel deliberate. Ezekiel knows that. And I think Negan knows that. Well, so it, 
yeah he's he's suspicious i don't know like they never even show us except that suddenly when it's time to leave all those guards are back and the the ginger-headed uh commandant is back and so they were all somewhere and i guess you know if if anybody was paying attention when they all got taken off the bus if unless they saw a bunch of trucks leave those guys were always somewhere but they're they're wearing those bright white uniforms. How do how are they hiding in the woods? They must have a bunker, yeah. I guess. No, I I don't know, but I do think that you know this is this is sort of a testing ground. They do they separate out the groups, so Annie gets sent away, and this group, and you know, I think that there's clearly some kind of a, you know, this is a testing ground to see who's going to be the troublemakers and. That's exactly what they're trying to do is to break people's spirits and to kind of, you know, winnow out the people that might actually um, protest or fight or whatever. So, you know, that's it's kind of interesting to see all that. And they're not I mean, they're clearing bracket. They're clearing like branches and stuff like that. Like this isn't exactly, you know, difficult stuff that they're doing at this point. But again, I think it feels like this is only the beginning. It's also oh. funny that every time they go to this set, everything is soaking wet. I don't know where yeah. they were filming this scene. I don't either. But, but this yes. set is soaking wet. There's puddles. There's mud everywhere. And it then when you go to the unpleasant. other, when you go to the A plot, which is the everybody else trying to yeah. find them, it's yep. like dry and sunny. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, they must have. Okay. Yeah. I guess uh, either Outpost 22 or wherever this work camp is, is really far away from where the others are. Yeah. Or they were just filming this like weeks apart. Um, which it was just it was just got a little amusing. Yep. There's a, some a lot of really good stuff between Gabriel and Rosita because of and as Angela Kang points out in her after show, they do have a complicated relationship. Remember, they had the whole love triangle. Coco yep. is not Gabriel's baby, but he was helping to raise Coco. Mm-hmm. Um, it was oh, dude, what was that doctor's name who lasted one season? Oh gosh, I don't remember his name, but it, it was, was his baby. baby. Uh, nice guy. A little bit of PTSD, no big deal. Um, yeah. Killed by a whisperer. Yeah. Uh, so, the, but they have this like, it's it's a, a nuanced relationship, and I think that Christian Serrano and uh, Seth Gilliam do a really good job of showing yep. those layers. And like, she can she can be totally uh, ticked off, and he knows exactly why, and he can call her on it, and then she can respond and. Then she can walk backwards into two zombies that were really loud and like she didn't know they were there and dislocated. Yeah, that bothered me. I'm like, come on, not Rosita. Give me a break. <laughs> Rosita is a superhero in this universe. She is yes. a Daryl and she does not walk backwards and then no. get like knocked over by a zombie. And certainly they don't get a handle on her. Come on. No, no. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway. it's still other than that, they're they're uh, having good dialogue. And I thought those were fun scenes when they were they able were to fun talk. scenes. And I think, again, it's one of those things where, you know, that people have this relationship or have this um, connection. And but you don't always we haven't been seeing a lot of this. So it was very cool to see that and to see their um their interaction here um, and that they had built, you know, what they had built and their knowledge of each other. But, you know, so that was, that was absolutely cool. And there's a lot in this episode with these kinds of relationships and talking about past things. And in this case, he's like, what did you tell me when I would be, you know, stop whining and move forward or whatever. And there's lots of callbacks in that way, which I think was really nice and, and helps build up some things. Um, in this episode between yeah. the different characters and, you know, basically getting the band back together. 
Um, so gain the gain back. Um, when, when that so, scene at the end of that scene where she dislocates her shoulder and he puts it back in for her, mm-hmm. he, they get up and then there's a train whistle that blows. Yep. And Rosita's like, that's where we have to go. I'm like, okay, that was convenient. But also why would the Commonwealth ever feel the need to use a train whistle? Yeah, that was odd. I don't like, know. Unless you want your train and your train tracks, which are fixed to become herd magnets. Well, and also, if this is a secretive thing, which it seems like it is, why are you whistling the train again? That uh, That is an odd thing. But uh, but we'll just have to go with it. We'll just have to go with it. I guess that was just for plot so that they knew where to go and so that they could get this band back together. Because unlikely as it is, by the end of this episode, or not even by the end, like two-thirds of the way through, everybody has found each other very yeah. unrealistically. Very unrealistically, especially the Maggie, Daryl. Um, I mean, she was on Darryl the Reed. road. You know, the amount of meetings that have happened on random roads in this show. I guess so. It's just the place where things happen, I suppose. Crossroads. They're just the place of of meeting, I suppose. Um, But, you know, there's but they do find each other. But I wanted to also talk about the scenes between Daryl and Carol where. Yeah, they're introduced right after that train whistle. um, Right. Um, because they have a similarly themed thing where, and I mean, look, we've seen probably more of them in this whole series and their interactions. Nobody is questioning their connection or their knowledge or their history. Um, but in this case, they go back to a very specific point because they, they see that Connie is being taken on this train. Um, Daryl, of course, would like to rescue her. And Carol basically is like, slow your roll. We're, we're, we gotta like figure this out because we're going to put the kids in jeopardy because we need to figure out where everybody is. And they call back to the cave um, where Ani had gotten, you know, basically lost. And um, basically Carol of all people is saying, we can't jump into this hot headed. We can't do this. Well, this is great because it shows growth. It shows growth and which is something rarely shown in this. Um, So I thought that that was really good. And I liked that. Um, so I don't know. Did you have any other? And Carol, you know, says that like this is this is something. As much as it's hard, we're going to have to figure out a way to do this so that we don't jeopardize everybody else. And and Daryl agrees. And so yeah. and they eventually come up teamwork. with a plan. They eventually yeah, come up teamwork. with that plan. Um, they also mention a designation two exile, mm-hmm. which uh, and they'll have to show us what happens to those people eventually, but they rescue Connie. So we don't get to see what's going to happen to a designation two. but apparently designation twos are important enough to get their own like personal guarded train ride uh, to wherever she was going to be taken. Well, I mean, um, it's so- probably people that are good organizers or leaders or rabble rousers. Cause Connie was, so my yeah. guess is it's something to do with that. Um, and although when wouldn't uh, like Maggie have fallen into that category, probably right. Um, uh, so- I mean, Milton did not have the same relationship with Maggie uh, as Hornsby, so maybe mm-hmm. she didn't know. Uh, but Connie was definitely undermining Milton, um, or True. at least Mil- Milton suspected that she had been, and she had been. Um, it's uh, but it's also like so Milton wants to have journalists and a newspaper, but is also like an authoritarian dictator uh that doesn't compute totally nope. right like why would she even risk it why not just ha- and don't hire a journalist right a real journalist i mean had, if you're gonna have a state yeah. paper just you know just 
just curate that with your own people. It seems right? odd that they would have let an outsider into that into that business. Yeah, if, um, if all you want is a newsletter, then hire a flunky who can who it. knows grammar, right? Uh, um, so yeah. yeah. So we also have uh, a lot of scenes between Lauren Cohan, Maggie, and this kid zombie. They don't do a lot of kid zombies on this show, even though you have to imagine that they're something like 25 to 30 percent of all zombies are kids, right. if if right. not more. Right. Like under 18. Yeah. Uh, but we don't really see them that often. Angela Kang talks about how, you know, our cast has a really hard time with kid zombies because it reminds you that they're not just monsters. They all have a tragic backstory. Yes. True. Then why don't we see them as often? Because right. the impact would be uh, diminished, and because child actors are expensive, right? Um, but this kid, I think he looks fresh too. Like he's this was a, this was a kid not long ago, and now it is a zombie. But it's like not a very desiccated zombie, or maybe that was just like a taste thing. They couldn't make a a, a shambling, you know, mutilated corpse out of a child. Right. This uh, this this was a young this young boy uh, does a good job as a zombie. But he's also, you know, like, and she uses him actually later. I don't know that she did it on purpose, but when she's hiding in that culvert and the the Commonwealth soldiers looking around trying to find her, mm -hmm. uh, she uses the distraction posed by the child zombie who's been following her to yeah. uh, put a ra railroad spike into the soldier and then kind of wrestles with the kid before putting it down. And then Daryl and Carol just drive up and she doesn't even move. Like she hears the Jeep coming. And she's just not even going to get out of the way. She doesn't know yeah. who it is. She doesn't know who it is. She's just sitting there because she's traumatic. And of course, she's thinking of Herschel and and the fact that he was taken from her and doesn't know what's happened to him. And she she really didn't want to put this kid down. She'd been avoiding doing it. Um, and she did it out of desperation and survival. But like, yeah, she was having a moment. But then luckily, it was Daryl and Carol. Um and so they all, you know, and, and Carol and Maggie have this really, they also have another interaction, a, a good interaction and a callback. Yeah, and I agree. This is a good scene. It was really good. Maggie says to Carol, it's not, I hate not knowing, not knowing is the worst part. And of course, that's like, you've just described season two. Yep. Like, and and Melissa McBride, I think, does a really nice job here. She, they don't mention Sophia again, because they've already done that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a couple episodes ago, all she all you have to do is know her backstory and look at her her eyes and you can totally feel what she's thinking. And I thought that was really good. Right. Um, and then Carol's comment that, you know, she barely saw everybody when they were in the Commonwealth that they forgot. Um, and that the reason why they were all being separated out was because they were very strong together and Milton was threatened by that. And she was clearly because she went through an enormous amount of effort to do this and to kidnap everybody, everybody that had been with them in terms of their their group um, to try to separate them out, to isolate them. Um, and in some ways they were doing this before, obviously in the Commonwealth, um, giving them different jobs in different ways. And, you know, um, and Carol said, you know, before everything happened and she calls it the fall, um, she said, I wouldn't even have talked to Daryl. Um, and she's like, and we found that together we had to work together. We had to be a family and we need to do that again to get everybody back together. And I thought that it was a really powerful scene between these two actors. And we haven't seen Maggie and Carol together at all, really, um, in this way in a very long time. So I thought that there was just some truly powerful interactions and scenes between char characters that have this incredible history together. 
um, both good and bad. And this, you know, Maggie and Carol both have this thing where they sometimes kind of fly off the handle or do these things um, that are quite singular and not necessarily in line with what makes sense for the group. And it feels like, again, they're doing callbacks and having them learn from that history and that past. So I, I really liked that scene between them. Um, so, and, and also their hair looked great and their artful dirt looked great in the scene. Um, <laughs> like, despite the fact that, you know, Maggie's been rolling out on the box. She, she just has this like one streak on her face and her hair looks phenomenal. I don't know. It well, was amazing. Probably in her contract. Mm. Um, and they're just standing here under this, like, uh, sort of like a barn lean to when, uh, Gabriel and Rosita run up to them, of course. And they're like, Oh, Hey, <laughs> hey, oh, hey we're back. We're back. Just hey, happened guys. to come upon this little place in the woods in the middle of nowhere. Okay. Where's, okay. where's Daryl? Oh, Daryl. He's just interrogating uh, a soldier. Yeah. Number one, four, one. Who's in the, in the barn. Um, and Daryl starts nice and easy and then gets more and more angry and rough, uh, because, you know, the, the I think that they did do a good job with showing like why these guys are collaborators, not collaborators yeah. they are part of the regime, but that does kind of make them because they're doing things that are that are, you know, morally uh, not right. good like him and the the train driver later. Yeah. Um, I thought that those were were both pretty good scenes. Um, and of course, the the fact that he kind of ends up with Gabriel reading to him uh, after he's given up some information reading to him from the right. Bible. I thought that was really cool. And uh, honestly, this builds on what we have seen all throughout the Commonwealth or what has been it not even hinted at, but directly said is that uh, the Milton regime, and that's what I think you have to call it, um, basically keeps holds people hostage or keeps people complicit by threatening their families and loved ones. Um, and when they don't have loved ones, they're not necessarily as malleable. So those people tend to be like like picked off um or they try to bring them into their own ranks but um both both this soldier and the train conductor say things like that you know their families are threatened or that things will happen and um and i and i think that that you know gabriel plays upon this with the with the soldier that he's now taking over the the good cop can interrogation and then with the train conductor it's so bad that the guy like offs himself before they in a terrible way in a horrible way um so and and i do think that that's obviously deliberate to show what fear there is of the the damage that could happen to their loved ones and he says it outright he's like if they find out they'll just kill all my my family and um so and they and again we've seen this with we saw this in the commonwealth we saw this hornsby had mentioned it you know they we've seen it with how eugene even says like when he's like confessing so that um um he's confessing to this crime because um, he doesn't want anybody else to take the fall for it, um, especially. Um, sorry, I'm forgetting her name again. This is terrible. What is his lady friend's name? Max. Max. Maxine um, Mercer. So he is he is taking the fall because, you know, they have made threats towards Maxine. So this is their way of and, and you know, so this is their way of keeping people in line um, is by threatening. And Yumi, they're, they're threatening uh, Tomi to get yep. Yumi to do her thing. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, you're right. It, it is. That's a pretty constant thread. You got to wonder, though, like get more uh, flies with honey than vinegar. Right. Like, right. I'm not sure why they think that why Milton would think this was the way to lead. Oh, but maybe she's just kind of slipped into it over time. Um, the 
so that after the train driver offs himself, I think their plan was for him to drive them to outpost 22, right. Or to find, drive them to find their friends. Yep. Um, but he kills himself and they're like, well, I guess we can't find them because I guess there would be some train junction, their rail junctions that they wouldn't know which way to go. And they, they're right. just, they're not, cons- they're not confident that they could get there and they don't really know where they are or where they're, where they're going. Um, and then Rosita gets on the radio with a very pleasant sounding Commonwealth uh, voice on the other end of the line. True. I'm wondering and if we're going to meet too, her. And a little too trusting. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Rosita knows their protocols, right? She's been yeah. on the radio probably as a Commonwealth soldier before. And so she's able to fake it. And there was one female soldier, although we never saw what happened to her. No, we did not. We, um, they killed a few of them. That The female was one that they... They just kind of like a disarmed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like that was a, the train heist, if you want to call it that, was kind of an interesting scene. Um, but ultimately, I don't know, like there's not too much to say about it, except that it was a good trick. Uh, and, you know, the just it shows the, the the threats of being in a zombie apocalypse and trying to do any any kind of like task, like drive a train. Uh, because they just keep zombies keep showing up, keep coming yeah. constantly. And then also Daryl and he, his buddies show up and it's a bad day for the Commonwealth. Especially yeah. if you want to get into a mo- motorcycle chase with Daryl Dixon. Yeah. Um, Another then- sorry, just one more thing. The motorcycle chase with Daryl Dixon. He, It's clearly not him. It's, uh, no, it's, not. it's, it's clearly else. not Norman Reedus. It's a guy with a Norman Reedus wig on. Uh, but he does... He does like I go back to this, um, you know, Angela Kang saying he's not a superhero. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. And then this motorcycle chase where he slides his motorcycle under a fallen oh, yeah, tree. And takes out the guy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was totally like a tropey sort of motor, you know, car chase, motorcycle chase thing to do, like a, from a born movie, if you will. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um. Um, it is, uh, but then as it, as it all turns out where they're all being taken and being processed, so to speak, colonial processed or reprocessed is to Alexandria. And so we get a lot of information and they know where they're going and they're, they're going to get the rest of the band back together and rescue everybody. I think that they find it insulting that it's Alexandria, um, but they know the ins and outs. This is their turf. So I think that we'll see a lot more related to that in the next yeah. episode. What do you think? Are they going to go in through the sewers? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and yeah, then, that's, yeah, that's still a way you can get in and out. But as not I just that, but everybody who's being taken there also has a lot of familiarity with it. So mm-hmm. I think we'll see some interesting stuff going on. Um and definitely looking forward to it. I really liked this episode overall. I thought it was fun. Um, not fun, but, you know, fun to see everybody back together. And, and it was fun. It was it was fun to see like a POW camp, yeah. a train. Like these are things we've never seen in Walking right. Dead, really, uh, which is funny, right? Like there were there were some new things going on that felt different and fresh. So, yeah, this that was it for uh, Outpost 22, episode 21 of the 11th season of The Walking Dead Prime, the fourth to last episode. It was a winner. Yeah, I just keep having visions of like Angela Kang and uh, the other writers storyboarding out this part of the season. And I feel like they really went at it in a very thoughtful way, giving, giving important characters scenes together with important dialogue that calls back to um, 
to previous seasons even and i think you know like a lesser storyboard artist would have just left it at the montages and the voiceovers at the beginning and not necessarily plugged in all this other stuff but i think that it's a real holistic kind of approach to let's put a you know like let's put a bow on this season let's tie everything back let's show that these are whole people right and i think that's really cool um sorry i know i'm supposed to be wrapping up the no, show no no I, just... <laughs> I think no i agree with you and i think that that's why i enjoyed this episode so much because it was clearly a very thoughtful plan that they had in place and the yeah. storytelling was thoughtful and um and again not glossing over some of the harder things that have happened both between carol and daryl and ezekiel and negan and honestly carol and maggie um and they're not they're not like sugarcoating that they're not sort of like doing things in a way that doesn't make sense. Um, so I'm really I'm really enjoying that. Um, oh, and sorry, Gabriel and Rosita, too. Yeah. Um, so they're really looking at these as sort of like multi-layered characters and really bringing in the history uh, that they've experienced together. So I'm excited to watch these last three episodes, um, but I'm also sad. And, and I think that's probably normal. So. Um, so anyway, but I'm glad we get to talk about them together. <laughs> yes, exactly. This will be some group therapy. Uh, and join us on our group therapy sessions uh, online at reanimated.podbean.com. You can still for now reach us at reanimatedpcast on Twitter. That We'll see how that goes. And you can always email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. And a hot take, uh, final hot take of the episode, I have Ecuador favored to win against Qatar in the World Cup opening game. All That's right. Not a stretch. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but looking forward to talking about these with you next time. And, and definitely we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts on these. So let us know. Um, and until next time, ciao. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.